Leah's doing physics. I was just going to say, this is how he earns a new phone is he doesn't do the physics. (laughs) And so I'm like watching it. I mean, I am not good spatially, but I'm watching it. And literally I watch it swing out. And as I watch it swing out for like three or four rotations, I let my eye gently rest on a turkey leg stand where they're selling roasted turkey legs. Young SAO, welcome to Afternoon of Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists, and your K Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So I'm one highball in for the night. <laughs> <laughs> Are we counting? Like, is there going to be more than one? You know, last night there were two. And let okay. me just say there were two because of two reasons. One is my husband's out of the country with the two girls. So I am living the trash panda life with my son where we are just like, look, it's not full trash panda life. We went to Trader Joe's and this is funny. This is not what I was going to talk about for banter, but this is a funny side way is that my mom, bless her heart, at one point when I was like, younger not like maybe like 10 years ago she was like trader joe's cooking is not real cooking that's just heating stuff up like but that's not really cooking (laughs) so i'm sorry to let you down mom but i went to trader joe's and i decided to do less than kind of cooking and i was like let's get frozen shit we can microwave in our microwave that i now own (laughs) because i didn't have a microwave (laughs) for like 38 years of my life and we will microwave shit and we will live off of that. And I have these canned highballs I bought. And so the second thing was I am watching King of the Land. I was up until I did the uh, that medieval sleep where I like fell asleep at about 11. And I woke up at about one because like I let, fell asleep with the TV going, rewound where I was and kept going till about <laughs> four. So I'm caught up oh totally on King of the Land. Oh, <laughs> my God. God. I know. But once I knew I was like, episode eight is what everyone's talking about. I got to get to episode eight. And so. Right. I got to eight, and then I'm like, okay, I got, I got to go to bed. You're like, now we'll take a break. Yeah. I feel like we're where we are now when you were watching Mr. Queen and we were watching Healer because yes. you're watching one that we're dying to watch, and we're watching one that we're loving. Yes, and I'm excited to flip. Like, I, I want. I'm trying to finish. Um, Will you, you be but evil Tale though, like you were about uh, <laughs> Mr. Queen? No. I think. No. Well, I think we'll both. I think I'm like gonna King like King the Land. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's funny. So after our last podcast, if you listen, well, first we're getting some blowback on Instagram where people are saying, see you in my 19th life is not a rom-com. It's not a rom-com. Okay. It's not. Like, it's, we, it's 100% we not. We just, yes, words matter, and we use them lightly <laughs> in that yeah, case. We just, we just wanted to have a fun little... Battle was, of the romances, okay? Yeah. You know what? We yeah. watched episode one when we decided that, and it was very clear after episode one that it was not a rom-com. Yeah. But we still wanted it, it as It was a catchy title, and it was <laughs> It was <fun>. catchy. <laughs> Anyway, we so it's funny that the two of you went in on See You My 19th Life. I went in on King the Land, and here we are. Yeah, It's funny because it's because of the first episode, right? Yeah. The first episode, it was just See You My 19th Life was what grabbed me more, and it literally has me by the throat now. But I love hearing what everybody's saying about King the Land because it sounds very unexpected to me. Yeah, like, I'm really excited it about it. Be. It was yeah. funny, though, because I – so I was, uh, I was out of town all weekend – in New Jersey for my son's soccer tournament. 
where it was just a horrible time because the entire <laughs> tournament kept getting delayed for rainstorms. So I basically sat in my car mm. in uh, the Rutgers, or I'm sorry, Ryder University uh, parking lot waiting for storms to pass the entire weekend. Anyway, so Amy messages me. She like DMs me and she's like, because I'm not going to spoil for Leah. Mm-hmm. But no. I didn't know. <laughs> but she's like, oh my God. So like listing things that happened in like episode seven which i hadn't gotten to yet because i I thought she was current no it's okay it's okay so i I was past her it was you know i was in again fucking new jersey and nothing wrong with new jersey but it was just the point that i was like not home and i was irritated about it and it was so funny because i i it was fine like she didn't reveal anything that like i didn't really know was coming uh but i wrote back and said i'm I'm not there yet. And she, she wrote and goes, okay, I'm so sorry. And then she's like, it's just with the speed that you watch K-dramas, I could have sworn that you'd be able to fit those in. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, look, you have a point. Like, you have yeah. a very good point. Yeah. And it was fine. Again, she didn't, it was fine. Because there were some twists that did come. But um, yeah, I hadn't finished that episode yet, which I'm glad that I didn't because there was a big thing at the end of that episode that I was like, oh, fuck, I'm glad I didn't like spoil yeah, that for it's, you. It's fine. But it was funny. It was just she's like, well, I just figured you'd somehow manage to get them in. And I'm like, I mean, normally I do. Normally I do. Yeah. So I want to talk about the unexpected. This is the story I'm bringing for today. OK. Um, I feel like I've hyped it a little to the two of you. I haven't hyped it to the audience. But um, so yesterday, it's like 3.30. I'm just going about my like work day on the laptop. I decided to work from home. I was on the couch. I get a call from my son's iPad, which is unusual. So I answer it. He is, he denies it. He was sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And immediately he's like, no one's hurt. I'm like, okay, what happened? He's like, I was at the boardwalk because he has a season's pass to the Santa Cruz boardwalk, which is our like fun park down by the ocean. And he was on a ride called the Fireball. <laughs> and it is a ride that spins. And also Ugh. you like stand on it. Like you kind of like. Oh, and it drops. The, the floor drops out? No. Is that thing? So you stand, no. you spin, and then it kind of like goes. Your legs are like dangling. And then it goes like upside down too. So Ugh. it's like. But it's kind of like shaped like that floor dropper. It's like a circle. You're like all facing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. I can handle like loops. I can handle drops on roller coasters. Spin me. Spin and me. No, it's no. over. Yeah, yeah. It's Once over. I hit like eleven, it was over for me. <laughs> the merry-go-round was like, <laughs> I am too old. <laughs> I couldn't even do the tire swing. Like at recess, <laughs> I threw up on the tire swing. So oh he was in the fireball. He felt something shift in his pocket. Cell phone. Poof. And I mean, <gasps> like, look, I'd be sad on a good day. This is like a teenage boy. Like the phone is right. like the lifeline. He's just like, and he also knows that we're not made of money, nor do I take kindly to the losing of things. And so he was basically like, you know, this was not going to be a path for him to get like a new iPhone 14 is what he was already aware of. (laughs) Yeah. And so he called just like, oh, it's gone. And he's like, I couldn't find it. Like, it's like, maybe it went on a roof. I don't know. I got on like the like whatever you call the tram, like the sky tram. And I was like trying to look on the roof to see if I could find it. I can't find it. And so I was like, okay, let me just like look on the find my phone. I looked on find my phone. I don't see, like, it's just like, it's there from like three hours ago or something. I'm like, it's probably just going to be like your AirPod story. Maybe. So I'm like, it looks like it's broken. (laughs) I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, fuck. Like, you know, and so this is on top of two weeks ago, he went to the boardwalk with my really nice mountain bike, locked it up lost the keys at the boardwalk 
I had to pay oh. a locksmith after sitting at the beach for three and a half hours to cut it off. It took about 90 seconds and cost $120. Then he brought his skateboard, which was his Christmas present, which has really nice trucks, which are like the bearings and the wheels system, whatever. It was like it had nice, it was a nice skateboard system. He brought it to the boardwalk. He skated down there and he decided he didn't want to carry it around because that's a big effing bummer for him. So he's like, what I'm going to do is hide it behind a garbage can. Foolproof. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> he went back. Guess what was gone? The skateboard. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's a big effing bummer too. Because like, again, it's a skateboard. It's not like thousands of dollars, but like we're talking like, you know, this is gonna be like, a, this can cost money. And like, he's going to have to earn it. And it's also a bummer because I want him to have it fundamentally because it's like exercise and he's like learning this and it's good for him. So I'm like, Ugh. And so then this phone thing happened. And I was like, God fucking damn it. This boardwalk situation is just not working. Like this whole thing no. is not feeling good. So calling my parents to complain about it. And I just pulled up the find my phone. All of a sudden it's pinging the phone. Like I can see the phone. Like, you know, I can see it like it's back on. Like, okay, it's like current time. I was like, you know what? I've had very good luck in the past having manifesting shit to come back to me. Like I once drove off with a laptop on the roof of my car when like the kids were toddlers and they were being like hellions and I was moving into our house and I was in a one way traffic jam and I saw it fly off the top of my car. I went back, couldn't find it. Somebody wrote me like two days later, like I found your laptop for a hundred bucks. I'll give it back to you. I was like, kind of tacky. Here's a hundred bucks. I got my laptop back. <laughs> <laughs> for a hundred bucks i'll give it back to you what yeah shit i know but like, <laughs> whatever i was like I'll, you know you kind of got me by the short and curlies yeah. <laughs> um so I, I mean not every time have i but i've also left a plane i've left my laptop on a plane and gotten it back i've left my or my husband lost my airpods in hawaii i got them back so and then sometimes i've lost them like i lost my phone when i went to la to see bts for the first time Got too excited, left my phone in the Uber, lost the phone forever. So I'm like, you know what? Okay, Sometimes but you get upset with Jera. <laughs> Where does he get Jera is much like me. Much like me. And so but and I mean I make you are alone right yes, now. Yes, we are. I also make adult money, and so that's like the This difference. is true. This is true. And so um so I go down there. He's with me. But yeah, are we like dumb and dumber? Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like walking around like bing bing like okay we're like in the area of the dot and he's just like immediately like it doesn't work like I'm sure it's behind this fence where a roller coaster is and I'm like we need to watch the trajectory of this mm-hmm. ride and we need to think how would this physically work Lee's doing physics this is how he earns a new phone is he doesn't do the physics <laughs> and so I'm like watching it I mean I am not good spatially but I'm watching it and literally I watch it swing out And as I watch it swing out for like three or four rotations, I let my eye gently rest on a turkey leg stand where they're selling roasted turkey legs. (laughs) And I notice a cell phone sitting on the awning of the turkey stand. Oh, shut up. up. And it landed on an awning. Is it not even broken? Is it not even broken? It's like John landed on its back on the case. On like a little hammocked awning. Shut <laughs> no! up. So I go I go to security and I'm like Jara learns nothing from <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm like, we found the phone. I'm like, we found the phone. Cause he had made a report and they'd been like, Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. That phone, I found it. I'm like, by the way, it's in an awning. 
I need someone to come help me get it down because like I can't reach up into the awning and either can he. And they were like, uh, we can maybe have security do it tonight and call you tomorrow. I was like, so we left and Jared's like, okay, I guess we can do that. I'm like, absolutely fucking not. We're not. We're going to figure out how to get this down like smart people. And so he went to the beach. <laughs> he went to the beach because he's like, I'll find a stick to poke it. And I'm like, oh yes. God. And then I go. Yes, to that turkey. is thinking, son. <laughs> yes. And I go to the turkey leg, guys. The and I'm like, okay, excuse me. You can't so have done it with a turkey leg. I want to have done it with a turkey leg. It was like, you see, yes, it was. It was a French teenager. I'm oh, like, you yeah, see yeah. this? He's like, oh, that is your phone i'm like it's my phone i'm like making sad face like oh it's my phone and so he's like mm, let me see what i can do so he comes back with a broom he's like what if i poke it with the broom like down the awning i'm like perfect perfect so he's poking it there's people now a crowd has gathered around us <laughs> and every time it bounces like these drunk guys are like whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then the phone gets to the edge it falls the turkey leg cooker catches it with one hand no. And then my son shows up. He's like, I can't find a big stick. I'm like, yeah, well, how do you like these apples? And I got yeah. the phone. <laughs> Look what mom did. <laughs> to say I was outrageously conceited after that oh, is an so. under. I was just like, I'm going to send a picture to both of you and I'll post it online where you can see. Please I took do. a picture of what I saw. I'm going to send it to oh, both please. of you right now just so I can get your please. reaction. But the phone is fine. The phone is he, he he was at like 26 <laughs> percent it even had like juice in it still tons of juice so i look i love that story and i know we're 13 minutes but i yes. ju- i just do uh, let me just tell a short story because it's related to this i also lose things all the time and i just do like stupid shit and uh we went to hershey park this was before the pandemic and we rode this coaster and i had on shorts this like cotton shorts and I put my cell phone in the pocket, which was, you know, yeah, not my good. husband was so mad because I literally had a bag. <laughs> I didn't don't put it. Ha- I didn't. Don't, don't they make you put stuff down when you go on it rides? Was they have cubbies, like, but you don't, they're not going to strip yeah, search right. you. It was cubbies and right, it was also right. like a, not a wild ride. Okay. There were no loops. And so no one like noticed that I had this there. So, uh, I get off the ride and I realize I do not have my cell phone. And I am terrified to have to tell my husband because, like, losing electronics to Neil is a huge fucking deal. So I am absolutely terrified. I'm like, Neil, I can't find my phone. And he's like, where did you have it last? And I said, in my pocket. And he said, on the roller coaster? And I said, yeah, (laughs) it must have come out in the roller coaster. So I... (laughs) we get off the roller coaster and he does the like find my iphone thing mm-hmm. okay and we we can pinpoint where it is it fell off the ride we can literally pinpoint the curve that it fell off of mm-hmm. but you can't get there for mm-hmm. obvious reasons they do not let just anyone gallivant under a roller no, they coaster do not. like you can- so we're trying to, like, we don't know what to do. And I'm freaking out because we, and it's not like we had money at the time to, mm-hmm. like, replace this, like, new phone. And I go back to this roller coaster. It was called the Trailblazer, by the way. If anyone is familiar with Hershey Park, it's one of their, like, lesser crazy coasters that, like, smaller kids can ride on, but not, like, a little kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know mm-hmm. what you mean. Like, and so I, and, like, I had to go up because I, I, I was, like, going up the exit, like, the wrong way. Because I couldn't stand back in line for the coaster. 
because it was too long. So all these people are staring at me and I'm like at the exit and I'm like, psst, psst, to the, to the workers there. I'm like, I lost my phone on a ride. And they were like, okay, lady, like they do a sweep sometimes after closing. You can like talk to lost and found tomorrow. And I was like, you have like, I'm such a fucking idiot. Like it's not their fault. And at that exact moment, I, my cousin, I didn't even know she was going to be at Hershey Park that day. She's getting on that same ride. And I'm like, Tara. And she's like, hey, Megan, what are you doing? And I was like, I lost my phone on the ride. She's like, you're an idiot. And I was like, I know. So she gets on the ride. And I leave. And I'm waiting then for her to, like, tell her what happened. She she comes, like, she gets, you know, she goes on the ride with her kids. Then she's coming down the walk. And she's holding a cell phone in the air. And it's my cell phone. And I am like, how the fuck does she have my cell phone? The employee went down and got it. Then was like, did you know that girl who lost her cell phone? And my cousin's like, yeah, she's my cousin. He's like, here's her phone. <gasps> Hero of the employee of the year. Hero. Seriously. of Because he did not have to do that. He probably risked his life to go down there and get my phone. And again, did I learn anything? <laughs> <laughs> because my cell phone made its way back to me. There were no turkey leg stands involved. But uh, I, yeah, I still put my cell phone in my pocket all the time. But never again on a roller coaster. And my husband was almost mad that I got it back. Because he was just like, now, like, I can't believe you were able to get it back. And I was like, I know. But I did. I, I know this will shock you. You've never I done never that? go on rides with my phone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. Nor do I walk around with it in my pocket. It's always in a crossbody bag. And then you put well, it in the sensible cubby? And then I put it in either the cubby or, like, they have bins. Yeah. Okay, so you sent us this picture of the cell phone on the turkey leg stand. It's the funniest thing. It's just a little cell phone. Just it's just sitting there, <laughs> just chilling there, and it's nice, soft little awning. I'll, yeah. I'll post some pictures of it because it is a fun little ice spy. Like, it's not immediately obvious, I will say. I'm yeah. very, I was narcissistic last night. I was like, just so you know, I like the whole way home. I'm like, who, I just need you to say. Who's amazing. Who's I'm the amazing. best mom? And Nick's, and Jared's like, you're the best mom. I'm like, no, I need you to say it without like a question. Like, you're the best mom. Like, I'm like, I want a low down trajectory on the end of that yeah. statement. Like, this is <laughs> exactly. declarative. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and this well, is all to invite us. all of us to dream big. Yeah. <laughs> You can get that cell phone back just by sheer manifestation. I don't think that's the moral of this story. <laughs> I think it is. I think the moral of this story is that irresponsible assholes learn nothing. I think the moral of the story is you may feel like you are a late 40s actress who isn't getting the parts you want anymore and hope is still possible. Mm-hmm. Hope is mm-hmm. still possible. <laughs> hope is like, hope, hope is not the thing with feathers. Hope is the cell phone on the awning. <laughs> and if that seems like a random segue, let's get into what we're talking about today. Yes. So we are very excited about this one. Um, so let's get into it. South Korean actress Kim Sung Young was born April 10th, 1976, into an educator's family in Yongdeok-gon. Whew, this is a long one. Young Sung Bukdu. How did I do? Does that sound pretty good? Uh, you need to ask Grace and 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask I mean, like, we're, we're, we're not the ones to <laughs> Grace can critique it next time. Um, so Kim Sung Yun fell in love with acting while in high school and attended Hallam University, where she began acting on the theater stage. She debuted as a theater actor in 1995, and from 1999 to 2005 was a member of the Little Mythical Troupe. Her film debut was in 2005 with She's on Duty, and her television debut was in 2014 with a minor role in the NBC drama series Hotel King. Not to be confused with King the Land. <laughs> in 2015, she landed the role of Kim Sung Young. Uh, as we all know, the actors in the Reply series often, uh, their character names are the same as the actor names. The parents were. Or the parents, right. Yeah. So she landed the role of Kim Sun Young in Reply 1988, where she played a widowed mother of two. Our listeners should remember her as Sunu's mom. She has gone on to receive numerous acting awards and has starred in many films and dramas. Looking at her list of dramas, I couldn't help but be impressed at like the amount of work she has done and also the quality of the dramas she has she has acted in. In 2019 alone, she's credited with acting in Romance is a Bonus Book. Her Private Life, At 18, When the Camellia Blooms, and Vagabond. <laughs> like, talk about an impressive year. So it's no secret that we all love Kim Sun Young here. And that is basically today's episode is kind of like an appreciation episode for her and all her varied roles. She is talented, multifaceted, and a scene stealer. She has played everything from an eccentric art museum director to a North Korean village head to a villain. So what is the first drama that uh, we all saw her in and what uh, impression did she make on us? I think we should all say at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Chloe. Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) Crash landing on you. Yeah, crash landing on you. Our first drama, and she was in it. So, and what impression did she make on everybody? I loved her. She was so funny. Like she stood out immediately. Like she was somebody that you were going to remember, and and that that's what made it fun. You know, afterwards to start seeing her in more dramas. It's like, oh, she was like, she was that person crash landing on you. She was funny because she was like this sort of, you know, of all the villager women in North Korea, she was the one that was a little tougher, a little, you know, less likely to smile at you. Um, but then when she, she did like the loosen village up, chief, she was like, the yeah, chief. Mm-hmm. And the, but then when she did lighten up, it was so fun. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, my first impression of her was that was kind of like the role she plays. Uh, I had no idea like of really the, the breadth of her work at the time. And so I was like, yeah, she's like, you know, I loved her very much. And she was one of the I guess, non-main lead characters that left the longest impression on me. I just love that the villagers in that drama had arcs and hers included. But I guess I kind of did sort of expect her to be in like similar roles, maybe a little bit of like a tough woman. So it was interesting when I started to see her at other things that I realized she can do so much. She can do anything. (laughs) What about you, Leah? Yeah, I thought that in Chloe, she was like a big scene stealer. So everything she was in, she just had a really great presence. And she was never, like, she wasn't a villain, but she was, I mean, eventually she's like quite beloved. But, you know, she's kind of. You can't read her. Yeah. And like, you were never sure at first, you know, 
where she fits in in terms of like is she going to help the couple hurt the couple uh you know although she was funny it was like you know like the trust was a little bit variable but again the you know the the women of the village in the north Korean town to me honestly were those on the soldiers ended up being my favorite parts of the drama i just loved all of them so much and i felt like she really was like the like the most enjoyable to watch out of all of them i loved her so much in that so what's your favorite role that Kim Sung-young has played? So I love her in everything she's in. And I think that's, I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast. But her private life stands out only because it's when I realized, like, what a true chameleon she is. I didn't realize it was her when I first started the drama. Like, I had to, like, do a double take. And then I think I asked Leah, I'm like, is that the woman from, you know, from Crash Landing on you? And she's like, Yep. And even tonight when you were listing like the dramas in the intro, like everything that she's been in, my first reaction was, who is she in her private life? <laughs> like, I totally forgot that was her because she's so vastly different from her character in Crash Landing on You. And I love, love, loved that. Like, I was like, wait a minute. And this is, and, and we'll get more into this later when we talk about the sort of ageism that seems to happen, especially I think with like female actors, but because of how she was portrayed in Crash Landing on You, when I saw her in her private life, I'm like, she looks like she's 10 years younger. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. She does look young in her private life. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's the way, it's the way that she, I, I think it's her acting, but it's also the way that, you know, obviously like costume and makeup and stuff like that, you know, treats her in, you know, one role versus another. And I love that she got to be this sort of, you know, like Leah was saying, this prickly, sort of unreadable person in Chloe. And then she got to be this like super artsy, fashionable, you know, feminine person in her private life. Yeah. And oh my God, like her clothing. I mean, just like wardrobe. She had, she had a really fun wardrobe. She did. In her private she life. did. And the way she talked even like her, that was another thing that like, I was like, I, it doesn't even sound like her. Like she had this right. affectation to her voice that was hilarious. Like it totally fit the part. She does. She changes her voice a lot. Mm -hmm. So much that I I think that's another reason I get thrown off and why she's such a chameleon in roles. And so Leah and I actually both just finished watching because this is my first life. And that was honestly so she she plays the mother of the heroine, which I think we talked about how in this drama she's like she's forty seven and I think the heroine at the time was well, not not that much younger, basically. <laughs> Watching that drama was was kind of the first time where I I like thought we need to do a whole episode on Kim Sung Young. Mm -hmm. She oh she's not in that many roles, okay? Because she's uh she lives in a coastal town, and the heroine lives in Seoul. But she does have this uh sort of complicated relationship with her daughter, and the way. Kim Sung Young plays this scene stealer. The, the, her, her role, her scenes, I'm sorry, her scenes in this drama is when I cried. The, her relationship with her daughter just hit me in all the ways. She was kind of that, that stereotypical in a way, like that, like tough love mother. But then there were moments where she, you know, revealed her, her true feelings, her vulnerability. 
she talked about how much she loved her husband and was like all of that just blew me away at how good she was and again she didn't have that many scenes like i i it was it was all her and she also had a different pitch to her voice and i'm assuming it's because she was playing you know like a coastal town um korean resident but i was also just kind of obsessed with the fact that she had really just changed everything about herself to play um this this you know a fairly small role and i just i can't stop thinking about it it was a really really it was just a relationship in a drama that hit me in all the feels yeah, I wanted to give you space to talk about that one. I mean, that is probably mine, too. Um, you can talk about it, too. <laughs> no, I think I want to, like, I mean, there's so many. So I'm going to go right? with Reply 1988. And for me here, I think that um, the character to me that she plays is just the epitome of this, like, loving mother, right? And her family's her top priority. She's a widow there's a little bit of like a Cinderella trope element to it because her in-laws are just exceptional, like almost cartoonishly cruel to her. Yeah. And so that can be a little hard. Plus I never just like love when we have a woman and we just have to have her be like completely selfless, but you know, she also sells it pretty well and like down to like getting her kids like the bananas and All the bananas. just making sure the they're going to like want for, you know, Nothing as much as possible within her ability to where she's like taking jobs cleaning and secret because she doesn't want like her son to worry about her. And then she has this absolutely delightful romance with the dad of another character, which just, again, I'm always going to be here for a K-drama that's going to give us a more midlife romance. They hit differently. I'm midlife. I want to see more of it. And so, yeah, I think that here's the thing is that those perms just like make age and time go out of <laughs> it's I'm going to bring this up again later, but it is wild to me that she was born in 1976. And when you look at her, you're like, this makes sense. But you put that perm on and I don't even know what happens. You become like an you become a being without time. You become like a refrigerator <laughs> from the <laughs> You know, like, if you've ever seen, like, the memes of, like, you know, like, the 1960s furniture that's, like, I'm beyond time. I am time itself. And, like, they just last forever. That's what happens when you put a wig on. You just could be any age. It's, I mean, we'll get to this, but it is wild that she was born in 76. And the outfits that they, that the roles she has, she's been cast in, absolutely fucking I know. wild. I, know. I mean, that's all I gotta say. It's. Given her, giving her the Ajuma like quilted freaking vests with the patterns in like these dramas, it's just killing me. It's killing me. Yeah, we're gonna get there. I'm sorry. Just <laughs> no, no, you're good. So based on her screen credits, she also has a lot of cameos, like Legend of the Blue Sea, Hospital Playlist, Prison Playbook. Do you remember any of these cameos? And did any make uh, an impression on you? Yeah, so for me, it's the Prison Playbook cameo. I really love the character of Kong Chuldo. He was like kind of the the thief or con man. And he had uh, a strained relationship with his son. I guess I don't really want to give a lot of give a lot away, but she played his his ex-wife. And uh, there was a point where Chuldo wants to have like a surgery like he wants. I think he has to donate. I don't remember some sort of organ to save his son. 
And he, you know, of course, meets Kim Sun Young in the hospital. And I just remember seeing her face on the screen and like giving like a little like, ah! like, because I was just so excited to see her. And of course, it's this really small cameo. She's only in part of one episode, I think. But just the emotion that she put into that scene was incredible. She's incredible. And it was a cameo that just made me so happy. Yeah, for me, it was Legend of the Blue Sea. And so here's the funny thing. So, you know, the question asked, did you, do you remember the cameo? And I watched Legend of the Blue Sea like two years ago, right? And so I didn't remember until I Googled and looked it up. And I was like, oh my gosh, I totally, you know, when you see her in the scene, I totally remember. And she just plays this Ajima in the sauna where the heroine at one point like sort of runs away from the hero and goes and hides out in a sauna. And she's just this like woman in the sauna um, who she meets and... This is, I'm pretty sure, the second thing that I saw her in after Crash Landing on You. And so first, it was like super exciting to see her. She looks so different. You know, in in Crash Landing on You, her hair is always pulled into like the tight bun. Yeah. (laughs) And she's, you know, never any makeup until she like puts on, you know, lipstick, that red lipstick at one point. But like, totally different. She's got like long hair and headband. She's got makeup on. She's got this like fur coat situation going on. And I just remember being so excited to see her and like recognize an actor and start realizing, oh, so the K-drama like acting community is like this big family. Yeah. And I'm part of it. And I'm part of it now. And it was like this like really like sort of comforting feeling to be like, oh, I know these people now. Like it's so exciting to start recognizing them and recognizing how talented they are. Because then, yeah, because then I think the next thing that I saw her in after that was her private life. And I was like, what the hell? This woman can do everything. That's really funny you say that because I, I I feel the same way. Like I see them again. I'm like, oh, it's like a reunion. Like I, you know, when you see yeah. like the same character, it's the same thing. Yeah. You feel like you're a part of the K-drama family. It's so true. Yeah, I like that too. I think that's definitely, it was, it was so fun. And I still honestly get a huge kick out of seeing repeat characters. Like, it's just fun. Yeah. So in Hospital Playlist, so Hospital Playlist is done by the same showrunners that did the Reply series and Prison Playbook. So she turns up as a patient and she is playing her Reply character from Reply 1988, who's Sun Wu's mom. And it's also weird that like, Look, she she plays her own name in the show, but they like often refer to them in the show as like the kids' names. And so I'm not like trying to minimize her here, but like text dad, son who's mom, like that's kind they of do. Like, what they call each other yeah, sometimes. They do. So she's a patient and she is working with Dr. Iik Jun. And she tells him that he's exactly her type. And I even looked up the quote she used, but she says, my husband's a slug. He has a <laughs> shop at Dong, and it's called Phoenix Shop. <laughs> and so that's Techie's dad. And he's there as well. And he also has this nice moment where he gives the doctor to thank him for looking after her wife, a medal that his son won. And it's a medal from the Go Championship that we see in Reply. Like oh. one of the Go, because there's many Go Championships, but it is a medal from a Go Championship from Reply 1988, which is really I told See, like... I need to go back and rewatch this because I watched Hospital Playlist first. Oh. Right? Okay. And then I went back and watched Reply 98. Isn't that, isn't that the order that we did it? I think so. I think that I watched Hospital Playlist before I Reply. think I did too we because I, yeah. I think I recognized her, but I didn't realize it was like 
Right. I didn't put it together. Because that's very meta. And I, yeah, I would have I would have remembered that. You Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just like, I don't think yeah. I got any of that. That's definitely an Amy thing to remember. <laughs> so. <laughs> Recently, Kim Sun-young has made headlines for an interview she did with actress Song Yoon-ah on the YouTube series Song Yoon-ah PDC. Kim Sun-young explained that she reviews her scenes many times to see where she can improve, but she often finds herself watching the same scenes over and over again because she, quote, doesn't get a lot of lines. So here's a little bit more from that interview. But in When the Camellia Blooms, in one episode, I only had about five lines. It was mostly like that. Even in Crash Course and Romance, apart from a few major incidents, I didn't have many lines either. I just filmed my scene and left. I love rewatching my scenes in the show, and I keep having to rewind and rewind. When I do that, I think, if only they gave me a few more lines. Once my scene is over, sometimes I don't appear for more than two minutes. So I end up thinking, if only they gave me three more minutes, because I want to see more of myself. But because I don't have much screen time, I sometimes watch the same scene ten times. If only I could get, like, ten lines in a show. About 15 lines per episode would make me head over heels. I'm not saying I want more screen time. I want my role to have a bit more conflict or more dimension, so I can use that to develop the character more. She also expressed that she feels typecast into Ajima roles. I can't get enough of acting, and I'm in love with it. But right after When the Camellia Blooms, I starred in Crash Landing on You. Both were middle-aged women roles, and after playing a middle-aged woman twice in a row, that image must have settled with me. I keep getting offers for similar roles. Not that I have a problem with middle-aged women's roles, but it could be a middle-aged woman who commits filicide or a burglar. Just some substance, anything. But my roles never go outside of the marketplace, and I can't keep repeating what I've done before. I've blamed others, and I've blamed myself for it quite a bit. I took it out on myself a lot because there were no limits to how harsh I can be on myself. When I was alone, I crawled way deep into a hole. So you could say I fell into a slight depression. I didn't express it openly, of course. I didn't know how to put it. I just sincerely wanted to do acting, but didn't get a chance to. And I feel like I'm finally ready to do good acting. So it seems like the public reaction to her interview was largely positive. What are your thoughts on her comments? So I, first of all, she did cry in this interview, which like breaks my heart because I just love her so much. And I think she's so talented. I also admire that she publicly pushed back about being typecast, wanting more lines, wanting more dimension, because, you know, we know the internet can be really harsh on especially women who want more. And so the fact that she's, you know, a woman and she's saying, I want more and I think I can do it uh, is really admirable to me. I do think, I mean, obviously this is all translated from Korean into English, but when she says, I'm fine, I feel like I'm finally ready to do good acting. I just want to be like, what do you think that I've been watching this whole time? I've been watching good acting, but it does just, it blows my mind. My, my brother and his wife were born in 1979. And I look at them and she's only four years older. It does blow my mind how she's not cast into like a lead role or a more complicated role. Like, and why are, again, why are they putting her in? Like, think about how she was dressed in When the Camellia Blooms. And I'm like, clearly, I think they meant her to be older than she was. And uh, I haven't seen Crash Course in Romance. I think that's the one where she plays a villain. 
I hope I'm not wrong. It's one of the, the recent ones. And I've seen stills of her from that. And she's got this like really sharp, you know, uh, stylish haircut. Like it's like a bob. Mm-hmm. She's wearing like, you know, office clothes. Like she looks great. And I'm like, that is like, please. Oh my gosh. Yes. Why isn't she in like a lead role? Again, there's nothing wrong with like the Ajima clothes or anything like that. But I understand her frustration that that's just like, <laughs> Imagine she walks on the set and she's like, oh, this is my ro- wardrobe again. Like, I, I wore this last drama. You know, I just, oh, God, I just want to see her in more. Because, again, she's she's ready for it. And I hope that someone watches that interview and is like, yeah, let's let's cast her. I mean, she's saying what we're all thinking, right? What, right. What <laughs> I think most viewers are thinking, like, listen, drama producers, like, this woman yeah. is a gem. And what drives me bananas because I'm I'm gonna put myself out there and say I am older than Kim Sun Young. Oh, and you are, aren't you? Actually, I was thinking you were born. Okay, no, nope, yeah. I am two years older than Kim Sun Young, and I'm absolutely floored. Like when I right? found that out because <laughs> because of the way that she and it's not it's not her performance. It's the way that they portray her you know what the i way mean she's styled yes the way or that old, she's styled her friends are like you like yes. her friends in the dramas are clearly older i expected like her to be older than me and then when i looked up her age i was floored and there was nothing wrong with 47 and there's nothing wrong with 49 but like no age should be too old for a woman to have a role with substance right correct and that's that's really where where i'm at with it Put that on a sticker. (laughs) (laughs) Like, for me, I feel as if this could be an entire podcast episode. So first, when I I just had to read this out loud, I also want to just say that what she's done is good acting. So I don't know if there's, like, translation, like, things amiss or anything. But I just want to really confirm what she has done is good acting. It's just very typecast. Right. I think what I, I, I think, and not that I'm trying to like, well, actually it, but I, I think what it, I'm guessing what she meant, because I hope that she has confidence that she is a good actor. Is she's like, I'm ready for meaty roles. Like, just mm-hmm. give them to me. You're mm-hmm. right. I think you know? that's probably what she meant more. Yeah. And again, even to, well, actually that, like, you know, because this is my first life, like there's meat there. It's just that there needs to be like more different meat. Like I like steak, <laughs> but I like pork. <laughs> Yeah. And all she's getting is a turkey leg from the awning stand. Being a turkey. Yeah, a turkey. A little (laughs) leg. A leg if you swapped your body with the turkey. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of turkey that I've put out in the pod lately. You have. So, okay. Circling back to Kim Son Young. Like Amy just said, she's born in 1976. So, for many of you home listening, including most, like the three of us, frankly, this isn't that far off from when we all popped out on this mud ball. <laughs> so like, you know, hit, hit or miss, like, I'm guessing most of us are, like, somewhere in, like, you know, there's, like, you know, it's it's relatable for many. The thing is that ageism and sexism are real. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bitch about patriarchy because it's a day ending in Y. Because <laughs> what do men do as they age? They get hotter, craggier, not wrinklier, craggier, not grayer, silver foxier, more powerful. At some point, that was a decision made, like by society. 
women get sexless, men get suaver. And I'm going to do it too right now. Like everyone listening to their horror or their contentment knows that I like Choi Min Soo. Born 1962. My older bae from Lawless Lawyer. <laughs> he can still get it. He can get it with toe socks or not. <laughs> 10 out of 10, he can take it and go get it and put it in the bank. <laughs> Here's my problem is that if you own a vagina, why aren't you getting to do the same? Like who out there made the decision that your desirability goes off into the unsee when you cross somewhere around 35? Because I'm going to say that like my own sexuality didn't get that memo. And why are most female roles the Ajima? Like, where's the spy? Where's the complex villain? The antihero? Someone with a strong redemption arc? A supernatural being? Just give this woman more to do. And honestly, if you're stumped, I'm going to say I'm open. We are all open and ready to be hired. Studio Dragon, we will plot you 12 stories within a week. And I am not kidding either. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I, I mean, I love it. That was, that was a great, great little diatribe. I say that positively. I like it a lot. Yeah. Validate me more. Yeah, because <laughs> I would say, like, we, you know, we got the song Hey Kyo in The Glory. And she's older. So let's, let's keep going on that train. More of that, please. More of that, please. So is there a role of hers that you think should have been expanded? For more conflict and screen time. I mean, I loved her in When the Camellia Blooms. I loved... But again, she was part of more of like the ensemble of the village ladies. Do you know what I'm saying? Same with same with Chloe. Uh, And while I love a good village lady ensemble, (laughs) I liked it more when they kind of separated out the village ladies, gave them all sort of backstories, and I would have loved more of that. Yeah, that's kind of where I was with Chloe. Like, I, I think the same goes, like like you're saying, for all of the North Korean ajumas in Crash Landing on You, all of the village ladies. Like, they were lovely and funny, but there could have been some meaty conflict there. Some, you know, steak, pork, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> like, the only real conflict that any of the women experienced was given to one of their husbands, which was Manbok, right? Who was the unwilling mm. rat for the North Korean army. His wife, as well as the rest of the village women, got to react to that drama, but that was about it. They didn't get to have sort of like their own thing. Nobody got nobody got to have their own thing that wasn't related to a man. And I'm not saying that every single one of them needed their own story. I mean, we had a huge ensemble cast with that entire drama, but they were interesting people. And the fact that they just kind of got relegated to the side and that the men got to deal with the real conflict was very telling. Yes. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> yes. So look, I'm going to actually say because this is my first life, which by the way, I love this drama. We are going to so do some sort of pod on it. At least Megan and I will. No, I'm going to watch it. I just, okay. I mean, look, know. I'm not, this was not to call you out. This is just to say it like people were very excited when we said that we were watching it. And so I just want to reassure like this is going to happen. 
And look, this is also a drama that's like apparently kind of controversial to love, which means that I'm going to say on the record, I love it all the more for the controversy. (laughs) Um, But her role is one of my favorites in the whole drama. But without trying to get too much into spoilers, what I really wish I had seen from this was more time spent on her having her own journey to power where she got to grapple with her role of wife and mother to two men who didn't always value her as a full, expansive human. And I just really wanted to see her get hers. Ah, that's so true because you're right. Because obviously the scenes we got from her always hinged on the daughter relationship. Mm -hmm. It would have been cool to see her, um, her arc alone. That wasn't. And it would have fit within. Like I felt like it wouldn't have been outfield because I feel like the other three women characters really had that. Yeah, her into. You're right. She was so good in that role. So good. (sighs) So let's do our favorite part of every episode. And then let's get into what Patreon had to say before we, you know, move into our final chapter on her. Okay. So who's our K-pop rec of the week today? Yeah. Pins and needles. I have one and I'm really excited about it. So I want everyone to hear it. Okay. So it is Bet On Me by Itzy, which I actually shared in Slack with you guys because I was just so excited about it. So I've always really liked Itzy. I like their concept. Their concept is always like, I'm me. I'm unique because I'm me. I love myself. I'm, I have value. Like, I just, I love their entire concept and a lot of their songs revolve around that type of theme. And they have a new song and it's called Bet On Me. And I'm, I'm obsessed. I really am. First of all, it's just, I like the song, like the the actual music of it. And then the lyrics just get me. Like, I actually thought I, like, I'm watching this video and I'm like, am I tearing up at these like 22 year olds singing this song about how they, they trust themselves and they're going to bet on them? Like, basically they're saying like, look, I, I don't know if I can always count on other people, but I know I can always bet on me. Like, I can trust myself. And I'm like, yeah, you can. Like, I just love it so much. I love the concept. I love the video. And uh, it's just like a super great vibe. So, yeah, the song is called Bet On Me by Itzy. Listen to it and bet on yourself. So let's get into the Patreon. We took to Patreon to share that this was a uh, appreciation that we were going to do. Kim Sun Young. And what did folks have to say? So, you know, does anyone want to shout any out? And I can do a few too. Yeah. So I'll go with one. Uh, I, I love this idea. Can we get her in a spy show, perhaps following her career from femme fatale in training to the true power behind the throne in a spy agency where she has to overthrow the figurehead director because he or she has been turned? Give her glamour, give her power, give her all the good lines and perhaps the nuclear codes. <laughs> I love it. That's I love awesome. it. Like, yeah, let's do it. So I saw one that was I love her and would like to see her in a dramatic role where she can share her wide range of emotions, maybe as a woman in a very dire situation due to whatever reasons the drama can give her, but with steel determination and wit to become a successful woman, both in her professional and personal life. She's tough, but fair, kind, but not a pushover and has a dry sense of humor. Okay, so here's here's a a big one. She's so great with comedy and with boss ass bitchery. 
It's easy to forget how wonderfully she plays the kind of gentle strength she showed in Reply 1988. So I'm casting, this is a Patreon, not me. I'm casting <laughs> Kim Sun Young as the star of Swan Song, a found family slash second chance romance centered around a successful K-drama writer who will be giving up the exhausting showbiz life after this, her final project. She's on set, surrounded by a chaotic group of actors and creative colleagues, including the drama's frenemy, trailblazing female director who came up at the same time. Can we get Jung Hae Jin, an idol making their acting debut, and an inner circle of folks she's worked with through the years, one of whom is attempting a post-scandal comeback, cameo and Easter egg opportunities for Miles. Most significantly, there's the big-name actor. She wrote his iconic career-shaping role 20 years ago. Now he's entering his adjusy years. Yeah, what is Hyunbin up to? He angled hard to be cast, so she's wondering, is he looking for her to create him a new persona, one that's a better fit for who he is now, and maybe who he always was, or is he looking for something else? There were sparks back then. Will they rekindle now that they are both older and richer and settled? Yes, the action behind the scenes will indeed shape the in-drama drama. Will it shift genres? Maybe. And her plans for the future as she discovers what she really wants and what she'll do to get it. Holy <laughs> crap. Amazing, so right? Good. Our patrons are so smart and so creative. I love it. Okay, how about she's so good in a comedic role, so I vote for a rom-com. I want You've Got Mail meets Jekyll, Hyde, and Me. Kim Sung-young's character owns some kind of long-in-the-tooth, cheesy beachside tourist trap. Maybe a <laughs> photography studio where you can dress up in a hanbok and get your picture taken. This is a blatant excuse for our costuming montage at some point. <laughs> or maybe a small-themed hotel. She was so good at playing in an ensemble employee that it just needs to be something with enough quirky employees to be a found family subplot. Im Chul Su, who played the insurance officer in Chloe, is one of them, and this is very important to me. <laughs> anyway, whatever the business is, it's hokey and sort of dying, but beloved by a small subset of loyal tourists who remember visiting with their families as kids. It was Kim Sun Young's character's dad's only successful, quote, business. He was a bit of a hapless hustler, but loved his daughters dearly. Yes, daughters, because Kim Sung Young has a successful younger sister who shows up occasionally to say things like, dad's gone. Why are you still stuck living his dreams? <laughs> Where was I? This was supposed to be a rom-com. Okay. <laughs> Enter a Chebol amusement park owner who wants to buy out Kim Sun Young's business and expand his park, where tours are nickel and dimed for overpriced snacks and passes to skip the lines. I'm not sure who plays him, but as an act of pure feminism, let's make him a little younger than her and definitely extremely hot. What's Hyun Bin up to? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, he's lonely and tired of women who only want to date him for his money. So he sets up a fake name profile on a dating website and matches with Kim Sun Young's character, who obviously has been bullied into this by her perfect sister. They hit it off, neither knowing at first that he's the guy behind all the lawyers showing up at her doorstep with contracts. He figures it out first, of course. There's angst, etc., and he comes to see the value of his amusement park in terms of cherished memories, not money, and she gets to keep her business with an infusion of new life because they advertise it as a package deal with amusement park tickets, and everyone lives happily ever 
after. Oh my gosh, that's such a great you got you've got mail split there. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, yep. Okay, so here's what's funny when we get to mine. I did a Nuna romance. Yeah. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> and I almost like I was trying to decide who it was gonna be and I almost did Hyun Bin. So I'm glad that I didn't because a bunch of other people did. So I yeah. I went a little rogue there. Oh, I love this. Yeah, well, thank you, Patreon, because those were like amazing. But we came up with some of our own. So uh we're gonna share what role we think Kim Sung Young should play. I mean, I will tell you this. I literally just I had no idea what I was going to do, sat down on my laptop and just started typing. So this is what burped out of me. Okay. (laughs) Well, here's what's funny is, so I hadn't even looked at the script yet. And Megan pops into Slack and she's like, I love my story I wrote from Kim Sung Young. I'm like, holy shit, we're writing stories. I don't know if I have time for that. And I go and look at all she's written. I'm like, good God, I'm not gonna be able to do that. And then I did the same exact thing. I started writing and I'm like, oh, I'm not stopping. Yeah, I had an iced coffee and I just just went. So okay, so here's mine. Kim Sung Young plays a soul-based business executive divorcee with a teenager. When her son gets expelled from school for fighting, she takes a leave of absence to focus on her son's behavioral issues. She returns to her small coastal hometown to place her son in the care of her retired military father, with whom she has always had a rocky relationship. But she thinks he's the perfect person to get her son into shape. What she finds is that her father is not the strong, ruthless man she remembers, but he is now an elderly shut-in who has rejected the town's help to fix his failing home. The only visitor he gets is Sun Young's high school boyfriend and first love, played by Jung Sung Il, you know, the hot daddy from The Glory, who is also a divorcee himself and who lost his only child young in a tragic accident. When Sung Il visits her father when she's there, they are surprised to meet each other again. Sung-il seems to be the only one her father tolerates, and she learns Sung-il delivers food and completes handyman tasks for her father, in addition to running his construction business. When Sung-il catches Sun-young's son attempting to steal some money out of his truck, he promises not to press charges if the son spends the summer interning with Sung-il as an apprentice. Sung Young, as, you know, kind of a hotshot soul executive, has prejudice against blue-collar jobs. That's why she left the small town, and she wants her son to go to a university and be a lawyer. But in order to prevent her son from getting tangled with the law, she agrees to let him apprentice with Sung Il. In watching her son, Sun Young learns there is pride and honor to a job done with one's hands, and her son reacts well to the discipline of the job. Sung Il gets to step in a father-like role that he was never able to play for his own son, who died. Sun Young and Sung Il bond during nighttime talks eating ice cream, simple dates that are a drastic contrast to the fancy dinners Sun Young is used to in Seoul. Sung Young connects with her father, reconnects, well, actually I would say connects because she never connected with him in the first place finding there is a real person behind the strict, unforgiving man from her childhood. The four of them, Sun Young, her son, her father, and Sung Il, form an odd bond over late-night barbecues. But there is an expiration date looming. Sun Young has a job to return to in Seoul, and her son has to attend school. Will this only be a summer fling, or can they all find permanence in their newfound family? Freaking love that, man. Mm-hmm. I was really- Why is that not a drama? I know. I was like, look, I'm really uh, kind of proud of this, and I would really like to see it. You should um, be proud of it. That's yeah, awesome. I would watch the hell out of that. I should drink iced coffee more often. <laughs> <laughs> I think you always drink iced coffee, don't I you? I do drink a lot of iced coffee. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm but like, that- this is not new. <laughs> and I just, yeah. Kim Sun Young, we got you, basically. Like, right. you know, just take this whole list to a studio and be like, me. God, just seeing her as like this, like, kind of like uptight executive, like slowly softening. So, and then eventually till she's barefoot at the beach with like a sundress on. Ugh, that's what I want. So I went, I went a little bit in that direction, but I kind of, so like, kind of like, like some people on Patreon did, especially like our, our last, that big one, that one big one that we read that was yeah. like, you got mail. I was trying to think of a, a rom-com that I like, that I go back to. And I, Love a good Nuna romance. I've written a couple, and I love the movie The Proposal with Sandra oh. Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. I yeah. could watch that movie over and mm-hmm. over again. And so I kind of went a little bit proposal, but a little bit K-drama, too. Yeah. So yeah. you'll see. Okay. okay. So Kim Sun Young is a cold, calculating CEO who may be more feared than loved by her employees, but it takes a cold, calculating person to turn a bung up pong, which is the fish bone with the red bean paste, right? Mm-hmm. To turn a bung up pong food cart into a franchise. At least that's what everyone thinks. They just see her firing incompetent assistant after incompetent assistant. They don't see her going home to her empty high-rise apartment, cooking herself meals for one, and, on occasion, crying while watching an old wedding video where the bride is most definitely her, and the groom feeds her a fish bun rather than a piece of wedding cake, which she promptly spits out with a laugh because Sun Young hates sweets. They don't know how her life began and ended with her first love. All she is doing now is carrying on with her last connection to him in a business that was supposed to be theirs, not hers. When yet another assistant is hired, who Sun Young assumes will eventually be fired, she's shocked to arrive for an inspection at one of her franchises to find him already there running through her inspection checklist with the owner and an iced Americano, extra shot and half the ice, waiting for her. He, played by a clean-cut, mullet and underground fighting free Lee Jehoon. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Is all smiles and pleasantries with the franchise owner, but when she walks in, he is all business, one step ahead of her, knowing the job like the back of his hand, despite it being his first day. She puts him through test after test, trying to make him mess up, and fails. Finally, at the end of the day, she begrudgingly tells him that he did well and he can come back tomorrow. From there, an unexpected connection grows as the stress of running a business lessens with the competent assistance of Jihoon, who, despite being eight years her junior, is starting to awaken some long dormant feelings. After a particularly good day at the office, Jihoon convinces her to do something nice for her employees since they work so hard, so she treats them to a team dinner, where she obviously drinks too much soju and has to be taken home on Jihoon's back. Of course. He takes care of her, tucks her into bed, and when they almost kiss, he pulls away, knowing it wouldn't be right because she is drunk and his boss. But Sun Young, having felt something close to happiness for the first time in years since losing her husband, wants to recreate the magic that might have been there with Jihoon again. So for the next week straight, she hosts team dinners every single night, each each time getting a little too drunk and insisting that she can't go home without her assistant's help. Yet he continues to rebuff her attempts to, you know, maybe start a little something-something. Finally, on the seventh night, she doesn't drink a thing. And when everybody finally leaves the restaurant to go home, she tries to send Jihoon home too, but he insists it's his job to get her home safe. 
At her door, where they've almost kissed six times before, they finally kiss for real. From here, they embark on a secret romance with secret office rendezvous and plenty of sleepovers in her apartment, too. One night, though, after he falls asleep, his phone lights up on her bedside table, his photo app reminding him of a memory. Only it's a photo she knows all too well. The only photo her late husband displayed in their first tiny apartment, a picture of him from high school with his younger brother. (gasps) (laughs) 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 Sun Young never met her husband's family. When he decided not to work for his father's company, but to start a business with a food cart, he had a falling out with them. He missed his brother terribly, but his parents sent him abroad for school and the two lost contact. Just when Sun Young thinks she's getting a second chance at love, she finds out it's her dead husband's brother, and him winding up as her assistant is far from coincidence. Jihoon was sent by his father to ruin the woman he blames for taking his oldest son away. Only now that Jihoon's plan is in motion, he's in love with his late brother's wife. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I love it so much! Good. Why aren't these dramas? I want to write this. I want to see this right now. <laughs> yeah. Hell and Lee Jahoon? Yeah. Al, sign me <laughs> up. Oh yeah. my god. Like this is the best time I had this afternoon was Googling K drama actors in their late thirties <laughs> to pick somebody. Yeah. Who it. was like a decade or a little less than a decade younger than her. Well, yeah. How old is, hold on, how old is Lee Jihoon? He I think is he's 39. 39. Yeah. So he is... Eight years. Only eight years older. And he gets like hot... Younger. Under, only eight years, only eight eight years, years younger. younger. Yeah. I'm sorry. He gets like hot underground fighter roles. And she gets Ajuma roles. And she gets Ajuma? Oh. No way. He's going to be her long lost brother-in-law. Yep. Oh, that's amazing. I love it so much. So I really am not looking forward to following that one up, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so my, I just did mine much less detailed. I didn't go back and look at yours. So I thought we were just that doing is... like a very high level blurb. Amy, I apologize. Amy and I. Amy really should have like, you, you both should have mic dropped. I should have let. <laughs> no, we were just a little overachievers. Today. I, well, I yelled at Megan because I'm like, I don't have time to do that. And then I just couldn't stop writing. Okay. Right, that's yeah. The no, I, I. Look, no apologies. I'm just saying. No, like, no, I no. just want to set expectations that this is much <laughs> more high level. <laughs> it's, it's but we can cast. We can pick a. We can pick a a younger character. Okay. After, after. Okay, but first of all, remember your hometown cha 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 second meal. Look, lead. I mean, that, or no, I've good boy. Yeah, good boy. I've been wild. It good was boy. good boy. Good boy. Your, good boy story. I still think about that. Me too. <laughs> I like your good boy second meal lead SOS goes down in history. Thank you. And look, again, I feel we, I just wanted to say, I don't feel bad about this. I just want to set the expectation because people are going to be like, I'm at the end of my seat with like the dead husband's brother comes (laughs) back. And I'm like, okay, let's just go a little more abstract because this is high level. Okay. So this is academic requiem. (laughs) Love it. It follows Professor Kong Ji Su, a brilliant 46-year-old university professor renowned for her expertise in ancient history and mythology. 
One sunny autumn afternoon, the tranquil campus where she works is shattered when a virus accidentally escapes from a laboratory, infecting students, staff, and faculty who transform into ravenous zombies. Thrust into the heart of the chaos, Professor Kong must fight not only for her own survival, but also to unravel a mysterious link between an ancient legend and the virus that threatens to usher in the apocalypse. (laughs) Realizing that the key to finding a cure lies within the secrets of an ancient artifact housed in the university museum on the opposite side of campus, Professor Kong faces a daunting challenge. To make the perilous journey, she forms an unlikely alliance with a group of survivors, including a charismatic medical student, a skilled hacker, and a resourceful custodian. (laughs) However, (laughs) the group harbors conflicting motivations and hidden agendas, eroding trust and escalating tension as they navigate treacherous encounters with the infected hordes. As Professor Kong deciphers cryptic clues, the relentless attacks from the infected test her resolve and push her to confront her deepest fears and uncertainties. Amidst the chaos, a tender romance blossoms between Professor Kong and the 28-year-old medical student. Get it! Get it! (laughs) Their connection becomes a source of solace and support, but the perils of their shared journey threaten to tear them apart. Will Professor Kong find the cure in time, or will she succumb to the unrelenting tide of the undead? Oh my god, we're geniuses. I love this. this. Great. I I love this. Hands down, watch that. I love the... I mean, I know he's 24, but EJ Ook would be pretty... Oh my god. Hands down. (sighs) He could be a 28-year-old medical student fighting zombies alongside her yeah helping her decipher like hieroglyphics i'm just saying that yeah. no there's like some sort of yeah i was like yeah the, i was like i don't have time to think what the ancient curse is nor the artifact right. but i like where both of it's going it's like the mummy meets you know the <laughs> indiana jones indiana, meets <laughs> indiana jones yeah dead. oh my god i love it we are so good yeah so i feel like kim Sun-young could feel really like, she's got three solid offerings to come back and be like, why not any of these for me? Yeah, those all have depth and arcs, and she'd kill it. I want to so, write it. Yeah, so cast her. Like, we're asking, please. And we beg every time. Yeah, but if you make Studio that woman... Dra- but Studio Dragon. Yeah. Please. Netflix, please. Yeah. Because if I have to watch her cry in another interview, I am going to... Just let's not put her in a quilted vest for once. Oh, my God, please. And here's the thing. Making marinated crab in a coastal town. (laughs) Powerful producing women. It is time to look after our own. Yeah. Yeah. I hope everyone listening realizes that they can be, you know, we are all the main characters of our stories, right? As G Idol says, you're the queen card. (laughs) Be the queen card. See? So how are you going to turn up today? What zombie are you going to fight? What younger brother are you going to shag what <laughs> i love it what a pu- amusement park yeah what are you gonna hook up with uh <laughs> you know what yeah what uh calculating ceo could you be today and Please. go forth and do it and then let us know how it goes yeah well yeah i mean i hope you know all of you listening pop into instagram you know when the show drops and let us know where you want to see kim sun young Put it out into the universe. Let's make it happen for her. Yeah. I mean, she's got the talent. She can make it happen. But like, we can, we believe, you know, we, believe we, can, we can put the energy out there to the powers that be. And if you feel like there's another actor out there who deserves some sort of 
you know, retrospective. Who deserve <laughs> 75 minutes or more of our time. Let, yeah. it, let us know. Reach out and let us know. Because, you know, we do want to pay homage to some of the folks that really just bring us so much joy week after week. And who maybe aren't always like the main leads. That's mm-hmm. the most fun part. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to AfternoonOfDelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!